0: Greetings. In Jesus' name, we're happy to see each one here, and hopefully that this part of the the um, service can be as much of a blessing as the, the rest of it has already been for me. And I'm hoping that this doesn't seem redundant. Where's Jania? Um, because I'm going to be My text is going to be taken out of, guess where? Genesis chapter 42. We just got done studying it this morning in Sunday school. But I was just so blessed when I was reading it. There was so much in it. And and we hit so much already this morning. And I still think that there's still still a deep... um, a lot of other deep thoughts that can still be mined out of it and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be finishing it out today. There's still going to be so much more that needs to be mined out of it. For those of you that are in the younger classes and and haven't been following along with us, so here we got the story of Joseph and and Jacob and his brothers and and a lot of us know how that all went. Joseph's brothers sold him because they hated him. Um, and so now they're, they're suffering famine back in the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan was a, a rich land that was flowing with milk and honey in most years but in this in this circumstance it was they were having a famine there and when you look on the map the way that I understand it um, Israel was up here and Egypt was down here and it's a little bit hard to say exactly where it was at but it was probably Uh, It was southeast, I believe, and um, probably about 300 miles. And so we think, well, you know, if we need to get a semi-load of corn, we'll leave in the morning and and we'll be back. Um, And it's not that hard. But in these days, it was quite a a journey. I mean, they saddled up their donkeys, and, and I don't know if they had a couple of camels or not, but they take off. And they head for for Egypt. Um, And when you, you know, it takes them 11 days approximately, 10 to 11 days one way. And then if you expect to be there for a couple of days and then head back home, again we're talking three week trip at least. Um, And so, and then, then to make it even more terrifying is, is that you think of the children of Israel, these, these, these people with um, 640,000 men without women and, and children heading over there. It took them 40 years to get over there. There was one commentary, made the comment, and I don't think that I'll take him too seriously. He made the comment that he said, the wives desperately wanted them to ask for directions, but the men refused, and so I don't, I don't think that was probably the, the deal. But um, So now, now there, there's, there's this famine in the land of Canaan, and it's time to go get food. And so they're going to head for Egypt, and that's 300 miles away. It's, it's a... So, this famine is not just a small little concentrated area. I mean, last summer we had fairly dry. Down south they had a little bit drier. But, you know, up north, if we went 50 miles north, we had all the moisture that we needed. Uh, so, this was widespread. And they're, they're, um, they're ready to, to go, except they're not ready. It starts off with in verse 1 and it says, Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, this is in chapter 42 in Genesis, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look upon one another? In other, in other words, why are, you, why are you messing around? Why, why do you, why don't you just go? And, and we talked about it in, in Sunday school and there was quite a few reasons and one of them was because there was, it, was, it was fairly dangerous territory that they were traveling through. I mean, there was Philistines, there was the Edomites, there was, it was a rough terrain. It was not a pretty situation, it wasn't something that it was just a walk in the park at all to get there. And then could I throw in that idea that there possibly might have even been that idea in the niggling back in the, in the boy's head, you know what? When we sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites, which way did they head? They headed off towards Egypt. There might be a possibility that we might run into him. This makes them a little bit nervous. They, they weren't excited about going, and, and Jacob was the one that was the instigator of it, and he said, Let's, you guys need to get going. And so then we're going to head on down to about verse... Um, well, we're just going to talk about it a little bit. That Joseph, they headed off. There's nine nine brothers. Am I correct? Thinking so. There's not Joseph. Yeah, Joseph and Benjamin were not along. So there would have been. So there would have been ten brothers that went, and they um, they're not they're not looking forward to this trip at all. Um, and they they get there. And they aren't sure what kind of a welcome that they're going to get. And so the first thing that they do is they bow down before this, this rich guy, this powerful guy, this, this governor, whatever you want to call him. Um, and they, they bow down before him. And what they didn't realize was that this was Joseph, their brother. Joseph recognized them, but he didn't recognize, but they didn't recognize him. Can you imagine? You know, Joseph immediately, it says in verse... Um, hmm. Okay, it was in verse 9. It says, Joseph remembered the dreams. That was the first thing that came to his mind, I think, was he remembered the dreams. He remembered how his brothers had mocked him he remembered how they, they had thrown, thrown him into a pit. First of all, they had wanted to kill him, but then they did the lesser of the two evils, I guess, and they just threw him into a pit. He remembered how he had, he had been a slave for for many years, possibly 13 years, and he didn't know that if he would ever see his dad again. He remembered all of this. I I I think that he remembered all of this. And let's just stop a little bit and consider what would your thoughts have been at a time like this? They tried to kill me. They sold me into slavery. What do these guys deserve? For sure not any food from me. I'm going to send them home, and I'm going to starve them. I'm afraid that's what my my thoughts would have been. It's like, no, I, I, I can't do this. <clears throat> um I like to think about this. For number one, I like to think about first of all, um they they um they didn't recognize him, but Joseph recognized him. Isn't that so often how it goes in our lives too? That sometimes Sometimes we don't recognize Christ, but Jesus always knows who we are. You know, and I think sometimes in our actions, there's no reason that Jesus would even recognize us as one of his followers. But he does, and he loves us despite that. Here's an, here's an excellent example. Here's an excellent um, portrayal of what, what Jesus did. Jesus was up on the cross. Nailed to the cross for no reason at all except that there was some mean individuals that wanted to have him there. And what did he say? He said, God, send me a couple thousand angels and we'll get rid of these guys. We'll destroy them. He said, no, he was willing. He was willing to forgive them. And and I I do think, it's like uh, we were talking about in Sunday school this morning. Most times when there's a movie planned, there's, you know, I haven't helped recently in making any movies, but uh, the way that I understand it works is that they have a plot. So so they know the ending before before they even start. So they're going to have people that are acting out this part, doing this part, and this part. And, and because, of, because they know what the ending is going to be like, they're able to work their way through this whole plot. What, why was Joseph able to deal with it the way that he did? This is the first time... Um, when I was reading and studying about it, this is the first time that I read about the Holy Spirit. If you go back into um, chapter 41 in Genesis, in verse 38, and it says, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this man in whom the Spirit of God is? I think it would... Today we would call that the Holy Spirit. And, and I think that that's what, that's what Joseph was experiencing. There is no way that he knew what the end result of this was going to be. But he had the love of God in him. He had the working of the Holy Spirit in him. And that is the only reason that he was able to react the way that he did. That's, what, that's why Jesus was able to be on the cross the way that he did. The Holy Spirit and God were working in his lives. and there again we have to also look at as like what made Joseph do this he had absolutely no scripture at this point in time to give him any indication there was no 10 commandments there was no there was no I mean all he had was was the amount of time that he had spent with with his supposedly godly father was about the only guiding light that he had up to that point. Because I've got a number of scriptures written down here that, that you know, I would say are a good portrayal of he acted the way that he should have. In, in um, Leviticus in chapter 19 and verse 18, it says, and I paraphrase this a little bit, it says, Thou shalt not, always, thou shalt not avenge nor bear a grudge, but thou shalt love thy neighbor, because I am the Lord. Well, you know he should have known that. Why should he have known that? There was nothing. I don't think that there was anything written in Scripture up to that point that would have given him any reason to do that. In Proverbs 20, twenty-five, twenty-one, if thy enemy be hungry, give him food to eat, and if he thirst, give him drink. You know he should have known that. Proverbs wasn't written at that point in time. In First Peter. 3 9 it says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but blessing. Knowing, our, knowing that you are called, that you should inherit a blessing. 1 Peter 3 wasn't written at that point in time. How did Joseph know? And I think it was because of the Holy Spirit was the reason that Joseph knew. So when now we see Joseph's dream coming true after after this many however many years it was his his brothers are now bowing and scraping down before him and and you know human propensity would be to think that hey we've got we finally got him where we want him now what are we going to do with him? let's let's put him to work and we're going to we're going to um, treat him them the way that they treated me but joseph didn't but he did do something and we look at it and we say, was it right the way that he reacted? He spoke harshly to them and said, You're spies. Get out of here. They said, No. No, we're honest men. We're, we're 12 sons from one man. You know, we're just trying to eke out a living. And um, no, There's, they said... And then after, right after they got done saying that we're an honest man, they, they came up with a lie just to prove it. They said that we're, we're 12 sons from one man. The youngest is at home and the other one isn't, isn't in the picture anymore. Well, was that a lie? I, I think it was a lie. I think they were trying to make Joseph believed something that wasn't wasn't true. It didn't come out. I don't think that any of us would have liked that idea of, of of facing up to the fact. And we're we're honest men. We come from one man. There's 12 of us. We killed the one, or sent him into slavery instead of killing him. Um. So I think we deserve some corn, don't you? No, that's not that's not what they said. But he ended up putting them into prison for three days. And then he said, and here, here again is another key verse that I think that we want to uh, look at is in verse 18. And Joseph said unto them on the third day, after he had, after he had spent some time with them, th- letting them percolate there in prison thinking about, the, about their sins. Because I think up at that point that he recognized that there wasn't true repentance there. And, and you know, I, I sometimes look at it and I go, how do you know that there was true repentance there or not? And I think Joseph probably asked them questions that was able to lead him in the direction that he was able to see if there was true repentance or if there wasn't true repentance and, and I think for the uh, younger ones of you, I'd like to just think about it a little bit. Um, Blake, if, you're, if your dad told you that you shouldn't shoot sparrows in your machine shed. You know, my machine shed is pretty nice and watertight, and I'd just about as soon keep it that way. And one day, dad wasn't around. And so... Um, but there was a nice big starling there. And it was like, if I hit that starling, he's gonna die, and dad'll never know the difference. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, that's what I think. That's the way I would've thought when I was your age. Uh, there might even be a, a time or two that I might still think that, but it, it, it's incorrect thinking. So you, you shoot. And the first thing that you know is you see daylight in the roof. And you say, oh my. If dad sees that, I'm not going to get that new bike for Christmas that I thought I was getting. That's a bad deal. Is that true repentance? I think if you think, you know, I am so sorry. When dad sees that, Now he's going to have to put a new piece of roof on. It's going to take him time. It's going to cost him money. I am so sorry. But I'm willing to tell Dad that I did that. And I'm willing to even empty my piggy bank if that helps out, you know. And I think that's where true repentance comes in. Is when when you've dealt with those hard issues that you realize that this isn't about... Just saying, I'm sorry. And saying, I told you I'm sorry. Let's move on with life. And these brothers... I just... I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed. We, let's go on into, on into verse 21 and 22. And they said one to another, we are... Um, well... So he, he gave them the options. He, first of all, let's go back just a little bit. He gave them options on, on how he's going to turn them loose from prison. However, he's going to keep one guy for, for, as we would say, posting bond in today's language. Make sure that you're going to come back. We're going to keep Simeon here. And why did he choose Simeon? I'm not exactly sure, except for some reason, I think that he kind of had a little bit of a soft heart, Soft spot in his heart for Reuben, because after all, Reuben was the one that um, had kind of pled for his life. Simeon, for some reason, I get this feeling that that he was maybe a ringleader of some of the nastiness going on. Um, even in, in later later in the chapter when we read about it, um, and they were pleading that with Jacob that they need to be able to send send. Um, um, Benjamin along the next time they go get grain and Jacob said, it's no big deal. We're going to leave him to rot. Um, we've already lost one or two with Joseph and Simeon. It doesn't really matter. We're going to leave Simeon there. Um, I'm not going to lose Benjamin. But he kept, he kept um, Simeon there for bond. and And these brothers... In verse 21, And they said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we could not hear. Therefore this distress came upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against a child, and you would not hear? Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. I feel extremely sorry for these guys they're dealing with a with a guilty conscience and i think for 20 years it must have been awful everything that they did everything that they said i think probably made them think about joseph and part of the reason that that i um, appreciated this part of it this was actually kind of where i was building off of was these two verses about what a guilty conscience can do and how you can bury, bury that and sometimes you um, because the way that I see a conscience and I, and I read this somewhere and I don't even know where it was at it says that the, con- the conscience is the sundial of your soul if you have the light of Jesus Christ in your life that will be able to direct you in the way that you should go however if you're living in darkness that sundial doesn't work worth a hoot. And I still think that way today. It, it, works, it works that way in our lives. If we're living in darkness, no, our conscience will still bother us. It will still, it will still point us, you know, say that there's something wrong. We need to take care of this. But unless we take care of it the way that God wants us to take care of it, it's really not going to do any good. It's not going to be accurate. It's not going to be good at all. There was a story told, true story. Fifty years ago, there was um, four Amish boys uh, from Pennsylvania that traveled out west on a, on a um, western trip. And I, when I say Amish boys, I don't mean anything by that. It's it's an identifying thing. It could happen to any one of our churches, but these Amish boys were on a Western trip, and they were hiking in a part of the forest that wasn't wasn't um, really supposed. They weren't supposed to be in. It was a national forest. There was a park ranger that came along, and he told them that you know you guys aren't supposed to be here, and um, We're going to have to give you a fine, and um, you're going to have to get out of here. And the boys were feeling their Wheaties, and they just went ahead and said, Who says? So We're here, we're having a good time, and there's there's no point in us getting out of here. You just, um, you know, you just be quiet. And he said, I'll go for help, and we'll get you out of here. Said, well, not before we beat you up. And they beat him up and left him laying. They went on and did their thing and they they came back. They decided that they'd better check to see how this old boy is doing, laying there, or if I mean if he's he's if he went for help or what happened with him. He was still laying there and he was dead. They swore each other to secrecy, and they went home. Life continued. Life continued, went on. They got married. They had children. Three of them were ordained to the ministry. <clears throat> the um, the um, last one before he passed away confessed what they had done a terrible life why did this come to light guess what kind of life guess what kind of family life that these these children had guess what kind of guess what kind of relationship trouble that these children had the children of these men there's such a such a reaping for wrong choices that we make, and why do we insist on living in sin? And I wanna I wanna um, get back to this just a little bit later. Um, these people, these guys, these boys that were I'm getting back to Joseph and his story. These boys were were talking about this and they were openly talking about it and and they didn't, they didn't realize that Joseph could understand everything that they were saying. They said that where um, Joseph ended up, you know, it's a little bit like it's a little bit like one of the brothers had mentioned, you know, as one of those things that Joseph was probably on some of those things he was probably, you know, <laughs> They don't know that I can understand everything that they're saying. And, and my guess is, I don't know this, but my guess is that those three days that they spent in prison, Joseph was not was probably a very active part in their life, or he knew he was probably milking them for all the information that they could get because I don't think that he was just passively standing by and saying, well, you guys, you guys just spend some time in prison and think about what you're doing and where you're going with life and whatever else. But I think that he was asking questions, and I need to bring this thing to a close, but um, so they're, they're, they're heading home, minus Simeon, and one of them finds a, when he was, well, for one thing is that uh, Joseph told them that they're supposed to put the money, money in the bags, and then he's supposed to also. The servants are also supposed to give them provisions for on the way home. And it's a beautiful, a beautiful uh, allegory of, of of how Christ's love works for us. The grace. I think it's Daryl that mentioned that the, the the or Sean, one of the two, made the comment that he said that the um it it wasn't just about forgiving his brothers. It was also about the grace that he extended to them. He extended his grace not only with the provisions that he sent home with them, but he also gave them the money back. Sometimes we see God's grace very clearly in our lives. Sometimes it's hidden and behind dark clouds that we can't even see it. But praise the Lord, we do know that God's grace is there for us. So they they are headed home. And they find the money, and there again, that guilty conscience pricks them. And they, you know, if, if we find money, I mean, we're all over this. If somebody pays for our meal, we're like, well, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, you know. But these guys are the first things like, whoa, this isn't, this isn't quite, this, there's something fishy about this. I mean, we... We, I, I don't know, God's, God's punishing us for something. For what? I think if they don't, wouldn't have had that guilty conscience, they wouldn't have had those thoughts. I really don't think so. Um, so when they come home, this is what the things that I'd like to close with. Um, so when they came home, they told Jacob what had happened. And what was Jacob's response? I think it's so sad. He says, uh, well, Jacob just becomes unglued, and he says, everything is against me. Everything is against me. I mean, we see a person that is probably fairly well liked in the land. He's got a large family. He's got lots of money, lots of animals. Uh, You know, what is he lacking? And he says, everything is against me. He believed a lie. And you know, I can't really bl- blame Jacob for believing the lie. I mean, if somebody comes and tells me that, you know, something terrible happened, shows me evidence for it, that's, that's what I'm going to believe. But that's also one of Satan's traps, that he wants us to believe a lie. He wants, to belie- he wants me to believe that the sin that I committed can't be forgiven, it's a lie. And when I believe that, it's got power. And I I would just ask and beg all of you to remember this. If it's a lie, take it to the throne of God. When Satan tells me that I'm worthless, if I believe it, even if it's a lie, it's got power. If it says I'm beyond hope, there's nothing here that can help me. If I believe it, it's got power. But I need to address it as a lie and I think um, Jacob also probably was not looking, taken into consideration that, that well and there again he didn't have Romans 8.28 where it says all things work together for good to them that believe help me out somebody according to his purpose right, thank you All things work together for good to them that believe. And I think that's something that we need to take into consideration today. We don't have the whole picture in front of us. But with God's grace, with his love, I think that these problems can be corrected. And I I truly believe that these poor men, if they could have just accepted it, that this is a lie, that this sin can be forgiven if I repent and I come to the throne of God and I confess my faults, then I can be forgiven. But they lived with this oppression for all these years, and I'm so sorry to say that this oppression continued on to their families. And then I also like to think, too, that Joseph, if he would have responded the way that that I would have been very tempted to respond and say, you know, guys, you're going to get what you deserve. I'm not going to kill you right away, but I'm sure going to send you home to starve. There wouldn't have been this beautiful story. It's it's just like Jesus, who died on the cross. You know, if he would have chosen to say, hey, I'm not going to go through with this. I don't deserve it. I don't want it. Um, And he wouldn't have gone on through it with it we wouldn't have this beautiful story that we do today. Christ came as a child. He suffered on the cross. Beautiful story. One verse that I would like to, to finish yet with, and that is, it's found in Genesis, Genesis 49. And, and Jacob is, is blessing his sons. Um, and I remember as a young, young boy... Um, we, were, we were in preparatory services and there were long services, kind of like I'm making it right now. And um, there was a minister that could quote these, these um, prayer of blessings on each one of the sons. And it was beautiful. I enjoyed it. Um, but it says, what was the reason that Joseph could do what and react the way that he did to his brothers? It says in verse twenty two, it says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, um, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the well. The archers that sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty who God. Made by, strong by the mighty hand of God, of the father of Jacob, from thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. And that's what I would like to remind each and every one of you today, that because of the mighty hand of God, we can have the same provisions in our life as Joseph did in his life. May the grace of God be with each one of you.